Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger, and I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions, and today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. If you're new to The Art of Charm podcast, Fan Mail Friday, well, it's not my favorite place to start, even though it's my favorite episode of the show to do. Most of our content is more in-depth. It's longer format, so check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. Actually, you know, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's like picking a favorite show is like picking a favorite kid. I, I love doing them all. Otherwise, I wouldn't do them at all. Anyway, the toolbox is where we've got the fundamentals of reading body language and charismatic nonverbal communication. We also include some info on the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, persuasion tactics, and pretty much everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. And I'm happy to have that all sent to your inbox if you text CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to the number 33444 in the USA. That's CHARMED to 33444 here in the States. Or, of course, you can just go to theartofcharm.com as well. And uh, before we start today, Jason, I just want to say, look, a lot of people ask and a lot of people are surprised when they hear from me. I really do read everything. So if you get an email from me or something like that as a reply to one of your own, if it seems like it looks automated or fake in some way, I'd really love to know because it's not. I do use little shortcuts for things, but it's it's not like the please review the show. I don't type all that out manually, but I type the rest out manually. And there's no robots. There's no uh, South Asian, Southeast Asian virtual assistants. I'm there. It actually takes up a lot of my time. I spent seven hours yesterday replying to email, LinkedIn, Facebook. And so when people write something back like, wow, this is automated, F you, or you didn't answer my question because I didn't write a three-page or paragraph response to their thing, just kind of puts me in a frame of asking myself why I take the time sometimes. Don't worry, I'm still going to do it, but just remember, I'm here. Please realize that when I respond. I'm responding to sometimes three, 600 people at that time, so if I can't type out a detailed response, although I do add your question to the Fan Mail Friday queue if you like, I really am here, I really do care, and I really do read and respond to pretty much everything. Trust me, people. He really does. Yeah, you know it. All right, let's 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 do some let's do some fan mail Friday. All right. Hi, Jordan. You recently said something in episode five seventy two, the reverse interview with Gabriel Mizrahi, along the lines of anything that you do that isn't so uniquely you, based on thousands of hours of expertise, is a commodity. My question is, how do you figure out what to pursue that is quote unquote uniquely you? How do you figure out what's your thing if the usual follow your passion advice is bogus? Signed, passionately perplexed. I love this question. I want to be very clear that 
follow your passion is not the same thing as finding your thing. Plenty of people are really good at things that they don't love all the time, in fact. And this is a unique distinction because it seems like a false dichotomy. Either you do something that's a commodity or you do something you love, and it's not. You're building skills all of the time. It doesn't have to be something only you can do. It just has to be something that you've built expertise around. Because if you get great at something, you learn to love it 99% of the time and you take pride in it and you certainly make a good living doing it. Of course, this is a generalization, but you're giving yourself the millennials choice here and it's a false one, namely that you either do something robotic and mindless or you do something that never feels like work. And the truth is, for most of us, we fall somewhere in between and that's not only okay, that's the whole point. It's a victory. So coming up, you'll hear a professional opinion from uh, one Mr. Mike Rowe, who's also going to chime in on this topic, because uh, he's a guy who's seen a lot of people who love their jobs that theoretically, while they're standing chest deep in human excrement, should probably not love their job. And he's going to opine on this as well. All right, Jason, next up. Hello, AOC crew. A few years ago, I hurt my lower back lifting weights. It got better for a while, but the last 10 months, the pain has come back with a vengeance. Although I frequent orthopedists, physical therapists, and chiropractors, the pain is omnipresent. My life otherwise is phenomenal. I have a fulfilling job in my field. My girlfriend is a 10 out of 10 in all categories. I just upgraded my living situation in a move, and I have a healthy social life. Oh, good for you. Huh. But to be honest, the thought of a lifetime of chronic pain is menacing. Having overcome bouts of depression earlier in life, I thought I was a champ at focusing on life's positives. This is a new challenge, however, as it keeps me from the physical activity I used to use to shift my emotional state and get in shape. How do I get my mind right and stay strong while continuing to pursue my goals despite living with chronic pain? I'm doing all I can physically to heal and cope, but I beseech you for mindsets and mental exercises to fend off dread and despair. Thanks for a great show. Hopeful for a more comfortable future. Now, don't you feel like a jerk, Jason, for laughing when he said I upgraded my social life? Because honestly, this guy, I mean, chronic pain is no joke, right? You you broke your leg a while back. It's not quite the same. This guy hurt his back. I actually spoke with him a little bit uh, back and forth via email when he sent me this, and I cut out this little excerpt to read on the show here. I actually talked to some other people who got injured in the past, and here is some of their distilled wisdom, because I don't have this problem, knock on wood, uh, ever will. The What they've said, some people with other chronic back and other pain have said, Look, one, never give up on fixing the pain. And the reason is because when you start to go, oh, screw it, I'm just going to be in pain forever, there's something that says that I don't know if I would say it's a switch in your brain, but there's something that kind of gives up when you give up on fixing it. And it's it's not really helpful. Uh, Further, it's not necessarily true. I mean, the advances we're seeing a la Peter Diamandis, Kevin Kelly in things from surgery to medical, I mean, they're going to be able to fix a lot of the things that you think you're going to have for the rest of your life. They're going to be minor slash major surgical procedures that are very reliable in the coming years and decades. Also, another point that was given by a lot of folks, look for external things to work through it and shift your mental state. In other words, uh, a friend of mine turned to swimming while another person turned to another field of study and ended up getting a PhD in the process. So she couldn't do a lot with her hips. She had hip problems, so she decided, I'm going to swim. You use your hips when you swim, but I guess it was very tolerable for her, so she ended up getting in great shape, really enjoying swimming, uses it as kind of a meditative experience instead of just sitting around going, my hip hurts, my life is unfair. Uh, And like I said, another friend of mine just went, 
got really into the science behind this stuff and ended up going back to school. And of course, they're they're older now, but they got a freaking PhD and I think kinesiology uh, as a result of studying, studying, studying. And now she's actually making advances in this field that she has her own injury. I mean, it's it's kind of an incredible thing. So don't look at this as a defeat any more than you already possibly have. And that goes for everybody with chronic pain. Uh, it's something that can be used to spur you onward in a different direction. And they're going to be able to do something for you at some point. So giving up now, it's uh, it's kind of silly. Yeah. And I, I agree on that point 1000% because as you mentioned, I did break my leg but I had to have surgery on my ankle and I have chronic pain for the rest of my life. They had, they had to cut through all the nerves and they rewired it wrong, which is real fun. Oops. Uh, yeah. So I used uh, a lot of different techniques to just uh, get my mind off of it while it healed. And I worked on it. Like I went to lifting weights, which I never did, but uh, now I, I have better upper body strength and I waited two years for my leg to heal and now I can walk again. So it, it does help to take your mind off of things when you have something to replace it with. And when you obsess about what you can't do, then you're not enjoying what you can do. It's kind of how I thought about it. So I, I found the things that I still could do and, you know, try to fix the pain. But uh, that's what helped me out. Yeah, you got to lean into what you can do. And who knows, like it, they told you you're going to have chronic pain in this area for, yeah, quote unquote, the rest of your life. But even then, I just I doubt it. Right. I, I think in the next five to 10 years, if not maybe slightly longer, possibly, you're going to find that they're going, oh, yeah, you have nerve damage. Oh, no problem. We have ways to fix that. I mean, it's very possible. The advances they're making are insane right now. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, fingers crossed. But there's no point in going, there's never going to be any cure for this. I mean, people said that about every disease that doesn't even exist anymore, right? I polio. Mean, polio. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just worrying about it is, is really doing nothing for you. And and I, I realize it's easier said than done, but good point about focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't. That kind of goes along with Jennifer's thing where she became a swimmer because of her hip pain. And now she's obsessed with swimming and does it all the time. Uh, all right. Moving right along. Jordan and team. I've listened to the podcast for a while now and have a problem that I need your advice on. You've provided so many tips and tricks to improve my life and get me through what is currently a difficult time. I hope someday to attend an in-person boot camp, but for now, I have to settle for this fan mail Friday question. I'm getting divorced and I'm struggling to find a balance between staying close and completely cutting off the woman that I have spent the last 20 years with. We have two children that we have pledged to carefully co-parent, and yet I need to find a way to distance myself from her. I'll give you the example that caused me to come to this realization. Last night, I posted a picture of me on the Social Capital Challenge Facebook group thanking you and Sally for pointing out the importance of letting my true self come out. The podcast motivated me to get out of the house on a cold, snowy night and go for a run. At the same time, I updated my Facebook profile picture with the same image. My wife could not see the posting on the Social Capital group, but did comment on the profile picture. Let's compare your comment. Wow, you're hardcore, bro. To her, That's me. <laughs> to her comment... That is ridiculous. Combo Space Cadet and Caveman. As you point out often, it is important to clear our lives of negative influences and people, but I have one person I will be co-parenting with for the rest of our children's lives. How do I stop letting my soon-to-be ex-wife's negative judgment impact my feelings towards myself and the world around me? We are divorcing for many reasons, but the most important one to me is how she often made me feel small and undeserving. I think she's a good person who usually is very aware of her personal influence, but with me, she has no filter and can be very hurtful and unconsciously puts me down. I have given up on her being able to change her ways and need to find a way for myself to get past this and live my life the way I want to. 
but I still need to work with her and support her as we show a unified front raising our two amazing boys. Any advice you can provide is greatly appreciated. Thanks for taking the time to read. Signed, Divorcing Dad. Yeah, this is a tough one because he's right. Essentially, as much as he's not going to be in a romantic relationship with her, he's going to be in a parenting, almost business-like relationship with her that would be ideal if it were much more civil, ideal for both them and, of course, for the kids. And these kind of comments that she's going through right now, I mean, look, we've talked about emotional filters on the show before. We've talking, we've talked a lot about uh, perception and, and that type of thing. But this has little to do with you and everything to do with her. And it sounds like you already realize that. I mean, has nothing to do with you actually being a common Space Cadet slash Caveman. I thought it was pretty awesome that you got up and got motivated and went out and did something and posted a picture of it. I thought that was great in the challenge group there. And so remember the emotional filters. And also, look, she may be and likely is trying to get a reaction out of you. So the things that she's saying are designed to do just that. And that is their primary function. It might have nothing to do even with her perception. It might have to do with her desire to push your buttons. And the reason that she's able to push so many of your buttons, it's not just because she knows you so well. It's because she probably put some of those buttons there with, of course, your consent and permission while you were in a relationship. That's how it works. And it's why people like parents and brothers, sisters, and significant others can push the buttons in the first place. You really do need to steel yourself against this type of thing. Uh, one AOC mantra slash personal mantra that I don't talk about that much on the show is protect your mind. And that has to do with protecting yourself from naysayers, protecting yourself from negativity, protecting yourself often from your own emotional filters and your own emotional BS and baggage. Remember her motivations. That's the beginning of this particular path. The next step in the path is realizing that your kids are going to be in this environment. And so if you let her do this to you, or rather I should say, if you let her do this to you and you do it to yourself because you can only control what you can control here, your kids are going to think that that's okay in relationships. So you can't stop her actions, but you can change your response. Do you want your kids to see that it's okay for one partner in a relationship to put the other partner down in order to maintain control? Do you want them doing that to their partners? And do you want them to, more importantly, do you want them to allow their partners to do that to them? That should uh, be an interesting thought exercise and help you get a handle on the importance of this. Examining her motivations and the desired outcome, in other words, control over you vis-a-vis your feelings and sense of self-worth, that should also clarify the picture and show you that this isn't something that you need to fix or that you can even fix at all, but something that requires you to protect your mind. And I hope that makes sense. I think we're going to hear more about protecting your mind in the future. This has been something central to my personal development and something that I've recently started to feel more strongly about in hindsight. Now, Jordan, my question is, is it okay for him to unfriend her on social media since they are getting a divorce, but co-parenting, does he, would it behoove him to like step back a bit and while he's getting his life together, just remove himself from that kind of button pushing options as it were? I would say unfriending, she might take that as a a personal slight, but you can always either give someone limited profile. That was an option 10 years ago. I don't know if people still do that, (laughs) but you can can just also put them on a list where you don't see them. You can hide them from your newsfeed, and then there it goes. I mean, she'll still be able to send you messages, but you can put them in a way where your stuff is not popping up for her uh, or things that are automatic, you know, auto hide comments 
uh, stuff like that. You don't have to put up with that. But yeah, if she keeps posting stuff like that, sure. Yeah, you can remove them. But it might not be worth the battle of like, you unfriended me. Well, now I'm going to do this other unrelated thing and make your life hard, like not show up on time to drop our kids off. I mean, Mm -hmm. people who are really petty and trying to control you like that, they're not necessarily going to say, all right, fair play. I have been really rude on your profile. They're just going (laughs) to go crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I get you. I don't see the upside of keeping that relationship going there on social media. But I would and I get that you don't want to give people opportunities to push your buttons, but you also don't want to poke the bear. Right. True that. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, next question. Hey, Jordan and the Art of Charm team. 
I'll keep this one short. I just wanted to express gratitude, a la last week's newsletter, about how glad I am that AOC isn't bro like a lot of the shows out there that just tell people to go hustle and eventually are just telling the listener about how everyone else is lazy, entitled, etc., and they just need to get after it. I've tried listening to a ton of shows, especially in the business category, and it's become more and more clear to me that a lot of people who have created a business have no idea how to help other people do so other than telling them about how hard they work. Listening to that used to be somewhat motivating until I realized that in most cases, there's absolutely zero substance behind their message. In fact, it's mostly just used to place themselves above the listening audience. I think it works well when someone is speaking to a younger, predominantly male audience, but it doesn't work for me. I need something I can execute on, and AOC has been great at keeping things practical as well as entertaining at the same time. This balance can't be easy, so I wanted to write in and thank you for that. Cheers, Adam. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I love this letter. And it goes on to discuss, well, Adam goes on to discuss concrete examples of how AOC has helped his career and his new business, which just got funded, which I think is awesome. And yeah, I mean, look, I also listen to a lot of shows in the business category and people always go, oh, you got to listen to this guy. He's so great. Got to listen to that guy. He's so great. And I, I'll give everything. I'll give everything a shot. I, I love learning about this stuff. I love seeing what other people are doing in their shows. But I just got to laugh. I, I know exactly some of the examples he gave that we edited out of the letter. Look, a lot of these guys who think they made it to the top on their own, it's like, give me a break. No privilege was involved here. Everyone else just needs to work harder. This is one of the more infuriating subcultures that I see recently. And I think it stems from this. We all want to think the world values us. So we kind of twist the world to value the things we are good at. Well, I can drink the most or I work the most hours or, you know, I do this and that. And you even hear it from uh, from me subconsciously where I'm like, look, I reply, I reply to everything. I love the fact that that I'm accessible, but it does become an obsession where I try to get to everything. I try not to lord it over everybody and make the whole show about it, of course. But I just kind of realized that over the last six months or so and. Basically, I, I think we kind of evolved to live in some times where if you weren't valuable, you were tossed aside. Survival of the fittest, of course. So we have this fear ingrained in us, and we're constantly trying to prove to the world that we are valuable and worth having in society. Unfortunately, that takes the form of bluster and a lot of this, like, you gotta hustle, bro, type shows and videos and memes and things like that. And I noticed I had all these elitist thoughts and behaviors where... I value intelligence, social prowess, critical thinking skills, and I value those things super highly, and I often would dismiss people without them because I have those skills in some measure. It's like a defense mechanism. So instead of seeing the world how it is, you see the world how you prefer to see it so that you feel content. And I'm just sort of now realizing how much my paradigm of the world is just as twisted as anyone else's. I'm just learning to be more open from it, and I strongly encourage you to do the same. But at, at the end of the day, Adam, I, I agree with you. Looking at somebody or listening to somebody for an hour talk about how everyone else is lazy and they worked so hard, I don't really see the utility in that beyond motivation for a few seconds. Beyond that, there you're right. There's no substance in a lot of this stuff, especially from a lot of these quote-unquote business gurus who can't seem to teach you much of anything other than berating you about how they worked so hard to get where they are. And I think a lot of it's just patting themselves on the back, self-congratulatory BS that you can frankly discard. Gotta keep hustling, bro. Yeah, let's keep hustling, Jason. Question Ooh, uh, five. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. I was going to keep doing my voice on that one, but I'm going to stop. No, let's not. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. I've been listening to the show for a while, and a lot of what's taught here has really helped me turn things around. I've just gotten out of a bad marriage. He was physically abusive, just like my father was to my mother. Of course, he was the only one of my past relationships who wasn't cheating on me. At least he was the only one I didn't blatantly catch. 
Through listening to your show, I realized that a lot of the patterns I found myself in are the result of not only my own upbringing, but the results of my choices as well. This, as strange as it sounds, has been greatly empowering as it seems to indicate that I can forge my own path and I'm not just at the whim of the universe or some other outside force and that I can potentially create a life I actually love. I've started in that direction anyway. My concern is that I have so much bad programming and have been this way for so long. My entire life, in fact. It seems like a tough pit to crawl out of, and although I've made big changes, I'm worried about whether it's possible for me to change completely enough to make a difference. Am I too damaged by my past to find love and get married? Thanks, Shelly. You know, Shelly, this is remarkably self-aware, and I'm very proud of you, if that sounds, if I can say such. The amount of introspection this must have taken is admirable and must, that's not, it's just not an easy process to go through. I can imagine this was a painful system of realization at pretty much every step of the way, in addition to the other suffering that you endured with your relationships and the breakups and and resulting drama that came from those. I'm going to leave you with this, though, because there's so much here. The Japanese get at the same idea with the concept of what they call wabi-sabi, or the ability to find beauty in imperfection. If a vase, for example, is accidentally broken, they don't throw the pieces away or try to patch it up to hide the accident in this very, very careful, delicate way that's invisible. Instead, they take golden glue, for example, and they painstakingly reassemble the vessel so its unique flaws make the piece more beautiful. In other words, there's a bunch of broken lines, but they're highlighted. They're not trying to hide them. I think this is a great metaphor for the show, and it's a great response to a letter from somebody who's working on healing trauma. The cracks, Shelley, are where the light gets in. And remember, personal growth in this show in particular It's not just about fixing what is broken. It's about nurturing what is best within ourselves. So I admire that you've sent this letter. I think that's really, really amazing. So Shelly, pat yourself on the back for that and realize that you are not necessarily broken here and you're certainly not too broken to be loved or find love. In fact, I think it's going to be what makes you an incredible person. All right, we'll leave you with a a little bit more lighthearted one here. Jason, take it away. I know you've been to North Korea a few times, but I can't believe you just went from hanging around Disneyland in California to one of the most (laughs) off-limits places on the planet. Where else have you gone that's nutso that we haven't heard about? Jorn. I think it's Jorn, but yeah, whatever. You know, no big deal. I'm not getting Uh, into a pronunciation battle with any of the fans again because I lost last time. (laughs) That's right. What what was it again? It was Gnocchi. Yeah, Gnocchi. Got it. Gnocchi and Gnocchi. Right, tomato, tomato, but not really. Um, yeah, I love that he he wrote hanging around Disneyland in California. That sounds so creepy. Like, yeah, I just stand outside the gates waiting for unaccompanied kids to walk out of the park. I mean, I don't know what you think of me, Yorn, but uh, I I do have a small story for you. One of the, I've done a lot of stuff like this, but this one comes to mind maybe fifteen years ago. Nah, not quite that long ago. I went backpacking through. Serbia and I went to Montenegro and then we met this other American guy and I met a, a great dude named Sailor Joe who's been uh, been a character on the show here and there and Sailor Joe and I convinced this Californian guy when I was living in Michigan to go through Kosovo with us and this is 
2004, something like that. And we go to Kosovo and we hired a driver to take us to all these cool waterfalls and all these different places. And the guy spoke Albanian and a little bit of German because I guess he had worked with German people or something like that. So I'm translating into German because none of us speak Albanian. And my friend goes, oh, we want to get some cool Kosovo Liberation Army T-shirts. You know, KLA was kind of this militia, mercenary group type thing that's operating in Kosovo against the Serbian government. And we had already met a bunch of Serb soldiers and UN soldiers, and we kind of wanted to grab some KLA propaganda because we figured it wouldn't be around for very long. So I tell the driver, hey, man, we want to see some KLA stuff, some Kosovo Liberation Army stuff. And he goes, cool. I know exactly where to take you. And we think he's going to take us to like some store where they sell commemorative plates and <laughs> T-shirts, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking he's going to take us to some cart because we'd seen KLA stuff around, you know, handmade stuff that you wouldn't really want to buy or keep. He ends up driving us to their camp where they have like a gun range and a training ground. And immediately the soldiers like wave us through and we stop and they stop us again at another checkpoint. And this guy comes out in a uniform, you know, full uniform. Oh, and he, uh, he's at, he's like, who are you guys? What are you doing? Are you journalists? And we're like, no, we're just students. And he goes, give me your passports. And we're like, uh, we don't have a choice now. So we hand over copies of our passports. I always keep my original hidden. And he goes, okay, okay. He goes in and comes back. And I'm, I'm looking at the driver like, Yo, is this cool? Is this cool? Bear in mind, this is in the days before people got kidnapped and sold to Al-Qaeda, okay? (laughs) So we are in this camp, and they come back out, and he's like, cool, yeah. And uh, he's like, these guys will take you into the camp. So we get into this SUV. The driver leaves his car there. We get into this SUV with a couple of soldiers. Uh, It's me, Sailor Joe, the driver, this American guy. And they drive us to this building, and they show us pictures of their comrades some of them fallen they're telling us stories in broken english uh about this stuff and they're like they've got all this equipment on the wall and we're like where do you guys shoot and they're like oh you want to shoot and i was like well that's not really what i said but yes i want to shoot yeah <laughs> ak-47s and stuff hanging out so they take us to the gun range and they're just like loading us up and and we we make a quick you know twenty dollar ammunition donation and we're shooting off rounds behind this building into a dirt pile at, at targets and it, it just this really this letter reminded me of that and I saw war dogs recently and it kind of reminded me because they go to Albania to buy all this ammo and I'm like you know th- that reminds me of this time that I did this 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 and this so thank you Yorn for reminding me I do have some stupid stories I just hope my kids don't do the same dumb stuff that I did I, I just kind of forced gump my way through my 20s honestly <laughs> and uh, I'm probably lucky to be here anyway I hope you all enjoyed that don't forget you can email us friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air a link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash fmf for fan mail friday 102 before we go though I want to thank somebody who's changed my life given me a life changing set of habits changed my life my trainer, Matt Reynolds, uh, he is at startingstrengthonlinecoaching.com. Startingstrengthonlinecoaching.com. This is not something I thought I'd be doing. It's like powerlifting kind of stuff. And I'm not throwing on tons of weight trying to injure my back like uh, our boy earlier in the show. But man, he's given me these awesome workouts. They take very little time. They're fun. It's so much better than working out alone. And it's great for those of us that can't afford a trainer one-on-one, live and in-person, because this is all online. I get my workouts online, I fill in the stuff online, I send him videos of me doing stuff so he can correct my form, 
And when I go to different parts where he has a starting strength trainer, I can hire them like once a month to make sure I'm not blowing it or developing bad habits. Super, super highly recommended. We'll link to that in the show notes, startingstrengthonlinecoaching.com. Matt Reynolds, he's not a sponsor of the show or anything. He's, He's a sponsor of my health, which is even more important. So really check that out if you want to get in shape. It's just been phenomenal. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. You can text CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 here in the States. Everywhere else, just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. That is designed to help you become a better networker, become better at making personal and professional connections, increase your social capital, your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals, so check it out. Text the word CHARMED, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the States, or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. By the way, I host another show that's quite a bit different on the Forbes network on Podcast One called The Forbes List. I interview Forbes editors and other talented folks about the lists Forbes keeps of everything from billionaires to the fastest growing companies in tech. You can find The Forbes List anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to give a shout out to Jen Dunlap. She taught her daughter the AOC doorway drill for body language, and her daughter's been practicing. So her daughter's got great little body language, and I really appreciate that. The doorway drill we talked about a lot here on the show. I'll go over it again at some point, I'm sure. And Danielle King, who used what she learned from Joanna Welsh and her episode on AOC and the other things she's learned on The Art of Charm to land a guy that she's now been with for eight months. So all the best to you both. Thank you so much for writing in. I really do appreciate that. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'd love to shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. Those we run pretty much every single week here in LA. If you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, that's bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Or of course, you can email me. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.